Person of Interest Podcast, episode number 11. A lot on its mind. You are being watched. An artificial intelligence, a machine protected by government agencies and deadly assassins, is spying on you every hour of every day. We designed this podcast as a means to share information that will aid in discovering and exploiting anything related to bringing down those who will use the machine to harm and exploit others. If you're listening to this podcast, your number has come up and you're part of our team. Welcome back. Welcome back to Person of Interest Podcast. I'm Daryl, witty line. And I'm Doug, clever response. We're glad to have you with us. Really, we are. You know, as much as it may sound kind of weird, we are glad to have you. We're <laughs> going to cover Person of Interest, the episode for season four, episode 11, which originally aired on January 6, 2015, entitled If Then Else. Yep. Yep. You know, you and I spoke a little bit in our last episode, the the weird middle random of December episode that we had, and we talked about this if-then-else type of use in uh, computer programming, and uh, so it made a lot of sense why they would call the episode if-then-else based on what we got on screen in this episode. It was a little bit of Groundhog Day, a little bit of... Uh, Oh, those books, uh, choose your own destiny type choose of books. Yes, yeah. yeah. Pa- pa- turn to page fifteen if you choose option A. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, you died. Man. No, this is. Yeah, I used to play this game. It was on regular Nintendo. It was called Shadowgate. Oh, such a good game. It's out there. You can Google Shadowgate. You can play it online nowadays. But it was a nice hybrid of. You remember text-based games, Doug? I know you oh, were a text-based absolutely. game player. I grew up on them, so yeah. to speak. Those were, those were great. And so Shadowgate was a was a was a hybrid of those. So you 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 would walk into a room, but you would see the room. But then you had a little skeleton hand, and you had to go over there and say, you know, take, and then take the little skeleton hand, and then hit the torch, and different things like that. So instead of typing out take torch, it was a little bit interactive, and you could see the screen and the doorways that were available to you. Nice static picture. Yeah, nothing moved. It was just a, exactly just a yeah, static picture. But there were so many times playing that game where it was like, you go into a room, you choose an option, boom, you're dead. All right. <laughs> well, let's go back and try that again. Oh, I died again. All right. Let's try a different way. So that's what, we're, that's what, that's what this episode reminded me of. It was, it was the old choose your own destiny book, Groundhog Day but, slash but re- Shadowgate. Resuming, resuming from a saved game, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. Oh, man. No, I, completely different from any other POI episode ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, the perfect the perfect uh, title for it if then else you know if we try this if we try that then we'll see this is what happens up oh, that's not gonna work this else let's try something wow yeah okay i just we got to get into this, this <laughs> well where do you want to start man well we can start by saying that if you want to find all of our other podcast episodes in case you're catching up i was hearing about people who are trying to catch up over the uh, christmas break there well we are at goldenspiralmedia.com slash POI, because Golden Spiral Media is actually producing this, right? All our back episodes are there, and uh, we have a link there to our Patreon site if you want to uh, contribute and support this and many other podcasts. And depending on your level of patronage, there's a bunch of nifty little things you uh, you can get. Check it out there. 
Yep. You can also go over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash Linda. That's Linda with a Y. I got a cousin, Linda, but do you now? fellow with a Y. I, yeah. I don't have anybody in my family named Linda, although I do know some fantastic people named Linda. My cousin Linda has a great uh, Klingon outfit that she wears at conventions. Oh, does she? Mm-hmm. That's... Okay. Sounds fun, actually. I don't know if this Linda does, but anyway. <laughs> well, Linda.com, I don't know. I don't know either if, if they ever adorn their website in Star Trek designs, but it is a great place to learn stuff. And so this is the, the beginning of a new year. A lot of people are thinking about learning new skills or revisiting things that they once did. And Linda.com is a great online way that you can do that. Skills, whether it's business skills or learning a new uh, computer trade or, or skill, whatever it is, go there and check them out. Linda.com, goldenspiralmedia.com slash Linda. We'll let them know you came from us. We'll, we'll get a commission and you'll get your first 10 days of learning for free. So go check it out. Goldenspiralmedia.com slash Linda. Here are a few categories. Gosh, uh, web development, web design, photography, business stuff, as I said, education, 3D animation, video and audio editing, Speaking music. Klingon? Uh, maybe how to be a Klingon. Maybe. I wonder if they have yeah, a Klingon language or something. I don't know. How, to, how to speak Klingon. I see what you're saying. That, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if that's over there. I got to check know. that out. Yeah, you never know. All right. Well, this, as you said, we are talking about If Then Else, which aired on uh, January... Help me out, Doug. Where did we put that? Sixth. Yes, 2015. Yeah. The writer was Denise Tay, which is interesting because as I was reading elsewhere, she also wrote the episode where Carter died. All right. She doesn't get to write any more episodes, no, dang it. No, <laughs> If we see her name again, it's like, yeah. <laughs> and Chris Fisher directed this thing. So he, uh, he did a good job. He did a fantastic job, frankly. Well, and oh, she did man. too. You know, even though it looks like Shaw is dead, we'll certainly be talking about that. She did a great job. This was so well written. It was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do we have in the way of news, Doug? Well, let's look at our ratings. The ratings are actually good. They really, uh, they really perked up from last episode. I was going to say last week, but it's been a few weeks now. Uh, Person of interest got one point seven again. That's kind of a, a, a common number for us. Back from 1.3, the uh, one of the series low, it tied for the low last time. So, you know, I guess that a lot of people saw that episode and said, boy, I got to see the next one. And so they did. So we had 9.97 million viewers. Now, the rating 1.7 was fifth place for the night, but the number of viewers was third place because, of course, the, the rating has to do with more uh, younger crowd and CBS draws an older crowd. But behind NCIS, which was number one for the night, and NCIS New Orleans, which was number two for the night, then we were number three in terms of millions of viewers. So we, it's, it's a great leading, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we, and we have some old news. We're going to bring up the old news. Okay. Anybody want? All righty. Let's do it. All right. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of the current episode, Doc H actually wrote us during the interim, during uh, Christmas and uh, and New Year's vacation break, whatever you do Thursday, even if you don't do that. He said this following part. Now, now this is this is interesting. Having already seen part two, so some of his his feedback here has to do with uh, you know kind of predictions. So we we'll see how well he did. Following part one of the Winter Trilogy, I've listened to the Associated Podcast three times now. Wow. Oh, yeah, by the way, the most awesomest single podcast ever. That's his words. I'm not making that up. Thank you very much, Doc. And some of Barb's always terrific feedback, I agree, started me thinking about the machine and its potential demise. 
While my gut feeling is that Harold's creation will be with us until the finale episode, contrary to what Barb intelligently proffered, it, it occurred to me. The machine is embedded in Samaritan. I think it was seven servers that Root and Shaw managed to compromise into Greer's monster. Point being, I don't think Samaritan has or ever will figure that part out. <laughs> the machine, like a naughty former employee of Sony, <laughs> has the inside track on, on subversive and potentially disruptive actions available to it. The machine probably sees most of what Samaritan sees but simply lacks the ability to physically direct Samaritan and its troops away from bad deeds and objectives. That is why the machine has chosen to engage Samaritan through their two proxies, Root and Gabriel. That was the, I don't think it was ever said in the episode, but that's the name of the uh, little boy who was speaking for Samaritan. And Doc continues, Root deceptively gives the appearance that the machine is still in an autonomous environment. If Samaritan had any clue that the machine had gained territory a.k.a. boots in the dirt inside its hardware structure, it could easily start issuing false directives to Root to entrap Team Machine. Mm -hmm. With a foothold and continued clandestine access behind the Root decoy, the machine can, further n can gain further knowledge, access, and influence inside of Samaritan now that it has started open detente. That is a tactic I would pursue. What are the potential outcomes? Well, one, Samaritan may reform itself following an extended dialogue with a more mature AI. With full reform or partial reform as an outcome, the fast track toward Greer's fascist dystopia can be diverted. A second path may be a full victory for the machine. Not outright, of course, as there will be heated battles between now and the end with multiple losses on both sides. Thirdly, mutual annihilation is always in play, where neither AI wins, but the innocent bystanders, a.k.a. mankind, do not become collateral civilian damage. Or lastly, mutual assimilation may occur, where they both consume one another to the point that they become one. Not a Borg reference, Doug. Interesting. <laughs> strengths, becoming, strengths become synergistic and weaknesses evaporate. Good for mankind, in that we lose a meddling demon, and gain a benevolent overseer, a guardian angel in the mass technology environment we will endure for the next eternity. Not a Microsoft versus Apple reference, Daryl. <laughs> Back to my gut feelings along with the, with the trace of fan fiction tucked in. Whatever happens between now and the end, I think that Harold will be the one that pulls the plug on his creation, the victor in the AI battle. So Pandora goes back in the box. The genie goes back in the bottle. With the creator, Doc Finchenstein, euthanizing his own child. The machine gladly accepts his edict. In fact, with the morality code it wrote within itself about humanity, the machine spares Harold the emotional pain he will surely suffer and pulls the plug on itself. Mm. Its own number just came up, fade to blue screen of death. <laughs> I, I love that. As the credits roll, Harold sits at his desk with pen in hand. He finishes a letter to the federal government, puts it in a stamped envelope, and then places in it a dollar, refunding what they paid him for the machine. Wow. Well, that's, 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 that's good. That's an amazing, you know, really far look ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah not, not for the second episode of this trilogy, but yeah, to the, to the very end. Where does this end up? That's a really great, uh, how do you end this story without it being just, you know, you know, just waiting for the next episode and it doesn't happen, you know? Right, well, or waiting for the next end. number to come or something. I, I love what Doc proposes there, where the machine basic cuz as i was reading his email when it first came in and he says that thing about the, the herald you know turning off the machine I, my first thought was 
come on, the machine's not going to let him do that. And then, of course, the next sentence is the machine will will do it himself. We'll pull the plug on him. Oh, I do like that. I could see mm-hmm. that happening. Um, fade to blue screen. Yeah, that's good stuff, Doc. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's on top of what we're going to be doing today. Wow. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Well, let's get into ratings for this episode. A very, very highly rated episode by by our listeners. I'm assuming the fandom at large. I gave it 10 exploding coffee pots. I have my cup of coffee. I would like to raise it and have a moment of silence for the coffee pot sacrificed for this episode. We saw it die at least three or four times. I know. Once was enough. I mean, come on. (laughs) What did the coffee pot ever do? (laughs) <laughs> it just got in the way. Wrong place, wrong time. All that coffee spilled and, and wasted. It's a tragedy. Yeah, over and over again. I, know. I, I gave it 10 recovered degas. And uh, I loved how they kept, they, they made that one of the things that you would see differently between each uh, of the different mm-hmm. uh, uh, simulations. That was that was great. We got a lot of great ratings from folks on Facebook. We have a after each episode, we will put up a little a place for you to make your own uh, comments about the episode. So they're in the comments. They aren't quite as visible, so people don't get spoiled if they haven't seen it yet. Linda, I want to. I like her first thing here. She gave it nine point five raw shoots. Now, this is kind of that you know that uh, couples thing where you you put part of the name of one of the cu- the couple and the part of the name of the other one so shoot for Shaw and Root or raw for Root and Shaw so anyway that's ah, 9.5 raw shoots she's a shipper nice. apparently nice barb gave it 10 sacrificial simulations Ooh. monica gave it 9.5 chess queens and ally gave it 10 groundhog days and Allie gave it 10 Groundhog Day. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank you. Jeff gave it 9 out of 10 humorous references to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Brenda gave it 9 out of 10 unharmed Degas sketches. All right. We're on the same page there. And Andrew gave it 10 spaces in any direction. Like a queen. Yes. Yes. Very good. Lots of great reviews there, or ratings, rather. Yeah, um, top of the class. Yeah. I've, you said your favorite POI episode ever, right? I, I think so at this point. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it, it's hard to see how they're going to uh, top that. I think, you know, next week is kind of a more of a denouement. It's going to be, this is, this is the peak, as opposed to uh, the trilogy from last season, where it kind of peaked right near the end when there's this concern about... Uh, uh, Josh Carter, you know, but then, mm-hmm. and she dies, you know, very near, uh, the end of the third, uh, episode. I think this one has, has peaked here, but it's still, we're going to see the results of what has happened, you know, the, 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 you know, what, what, what's, what's happened because of, uh, the death of Shaw and the issue with the stock market. Mm. Well, apparently Joss didn't die. She just wound up over on Fox on a singing show. Yes. And I understand that, uh, there's some folks who saw that and said, Boy, I wish she was back. It's not really that good a show. That's what I heard too. I think we, I think we might have read the same comments. On <laughs> yeah. That okay. One. Very. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. Facebook fan page, folks. Be there. Be there. That's right. That's where it's happening. What is the address for that, Doug? That would be facebook.com/slash/groups/slash/person-of-interest-podcast. I'm is. doing that from memory. I hope that's right, but I'm pretty sure. Well, and I wasn't 100 percent either. That's why I asked you because I thought you would know. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that would have been what I said. So. Okay. Well, if you're wrong, I'm wrong too. 
then we're both wrong. Okay. It's just on my sidebar. I don't ever have to type it in now that it's I've saved it. Or I'm a part of it. It's just on my sidebar on Facebook. So I click on it. That's 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 it. Makes it easy. All right. Well, this episode picked up right where the last one left off, right? Uh, with the uh, stock market crash. Now, let me ask you, Doug, is that going to be a bad move by Samaritan? Because is that going to want to cause the government to pull the plug on the, to stop giving the feeds to Samaritan or, or is it, does that even matter now is Samaritan propagated itself throughout the world? So that wouldn't even matter if it did or what, what do you, what do you think is, 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 is there going to be any ramifications of Samaritan playing with the stock market the way that it did? I think Samaritan messing up with the messing up New York, you know, it, had you know, as we said mm-hmm. last time, rainbows and unicorns first, and then you know chaos afterward. And the chaos in New York—that's one thing. Messing with the you know the world economy—that's uh, you know that's a whole different radar system. It's way up high on it. So right. I think that that is going to be, even though it didn't really play quite as much a part. I mean, that was essentially what they were trying to do: save the stock market. But it, but the drama for that is most is all front loaded. You see it a lot at the beginning. People are uh, the numbers are going down. And the issue on the subway where Shaw was trying to defuse it is tangentially related to it, but that wasn't really front and center the whole time. Most of it was saving our crew, seeing the machines, you know, in its head. So I think we there really needs to be a, uh, you know, there, there's going to be ramifications to that. There's got to be uh, consequences, and I think that's uh, I think that's what the next episode is really going to um, take care of. So I think this was probably a a bridge too far for Samaritan. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I felt the same way, but I thought, well, maybe it's just me hoping, but uh, I, I would like to think, because, you know, we're all rooting for the machine, right? We want Samaritan to be taken down at some point, and at this, at this point, it seems really hard to, to, to picture a path where Team Machine is going to be able to defeat Greer and, and Team Samaritan unless they get the government to unplug the thing at the source. So... I'm hoping that this was enough to make them go, uh, uh, this is not what we signed up for, but I don't and know. And now can you unplug Samaritan? Cause we've had this right. issue with the machine already. Right. Right. And, and I don't know that you can. It. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I don't it, know. It's going it's it's to sound like another Star Trek episode where the computer doesn't want to be unplugged and it stops anybody who will try. Yeah. Unless you speak Klingon. Well, there you go. And there you, Linda.com with a Y. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to... S- pepper that throughout this one okay all right now we we see a little bit of well, a little more we've seen it already of greer's megalomania mm-hmm. he calls this a mere first step the destruction of the you know the stock market the stock exchange a mere first step to establish a new world order yeah well there you are you've got um and I, I thought too his his reference to the people who are working on team machine is as the machine's acolytes this is getting religious for Greer. Uh, he, he, it sounds to me like, you know, he's, he's considering, and we, we've talked about, you know, two gods go to war, and it's when Finch uses that phrase and when Root uses that phrase, I think they're just kind of titans. They could replace the word with, you know, the, with that sort of uh, uh, synonym. Whereas with Greer, I have a feeling he really has a kind of, he's assigning godlike properties to mm-hmm. Samaritan. He is doing whatever it says. He's, 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 and we talk about acolytes and he's, he's making fun of them. You know, he's, uh, you know, talking down to them. But frankly, buddy, you are an acolyte to the God that you're serving at this point. So, um, 
so I think that sort of megalomania can be even worse. Mm-hmm. Worse than your run-of-the-mill megalomania. Sure, know? sure. I'm, I'm with you on that. It was fun. We once once we get through that, we the great opening to set the stage for the for the episode. Rather, it was kind of fun to see the whole all, all of Team Machine together. I mean, does that ever happen where we get? I guess technically Shaw was on a different mission, but she's there at the end. But has that ever happened before? We even get we get Fusco in there and and the whole gang really together. Not often not that i can remember and i yeah. thought especially in this situation that would have been very risky you know, sure you, you know you've got a you know we had a cold war we've got a hot war now mm-hmm. and you put all of your eggs in one elevator hmm? <laughs> yeah yeah but they knew that it was a place that samaritan didn't have access to so they could get inside the building which you would think that outside of the building would not have been a blind spot but i guess inside the building was a blind spot that really worked to their advantage. That was that was nice to let us know that that the Samaritan couldn't see inside the building, and they were going to give eyes to the machine, so the machine would have the advantage. Because otherwise, we would have been sitting here scratching our head, wondering about even that little factoid. But yeah, yeah, why why couldn't it see that too? Yeah, yeah. So that was that was good, and the uh, I liked the idea that they had, uh, and it was Root, I believe, who brought this up that the machine had seen this possibility in the future and had commissioned somebody to write a program to restore the stock exchange. Right. I, I think that was kind of glossed over rather quickly at the beginning. And that's, you know, that's what the suitcase was. It was uh, somebody had already written that. He had foreseen that. Now, then the question is, um, you know, we've got two machines that can, quote unquote, see the future, can mm-hmm. predict the future very well. And that has always been, I think we had talked about this before too, You've got that that those two forces pushing against each other. Are they going to then not be able to see and in, anticipate every oper- everything that the other one is going to do, and not be able to therefore predict uh, what people are going to do, certain people at least, and make it difficult? And we see in this episode, sure enough, he or he the machine. I'm sorry, she the machine has to go through these, you know, figure out what's going on, and here's the situation now. What can we do? Mm-hmm. Not having been able to see ahead, um, you know, far m- much farther ahead than, you know, a few minutes at most. Well, and we may have already seen a little bit of that since, yes, you're right. The machine was able to foresee that this instance would happen and had a, a commission done to, to have the, the, the plan in place to, to fix the stock market. But what it failed to see was that Samaritan would know, would foresee that the machine would have a fix for the stock market and therefore set a trap around the fix for the stock market. So there might have already been a little bit of that happening, at least from the side of the machine, where the machine wasn't able to see that it was a trap until they were square right in the middle of it. Yeah, it was just, um, yeah, yeah, at some point, you know, you anticipate what I'm going to do, so I'm going to counter that and then counter counter from yeah. the other side. And at some point, Reality kicks in and something happens, so you have to deal well, with it, that. It, but it is very much a chess game. I know we've given this analogy a lot, but it was front and center in this episode, and and that's it. I mean, Reese, uh, excuse me, Finch, as he's teaching the machine how to play chess, with each move comes a larger number of possible moves that are now available to you as a result of the previous move, and it becomes more and more difficult to predict what the next move will be. And that we saw that plainly, clearly illustrated in this episode that there will be times where either machine are not going to be able to predict exactly what will happen. Depending on how far forward you go, that's true. I was 
I was flabbergasted. I hadn't even thought about this. Well, I, I didn't know how many potential chess moves there could be. He said at some point, very early in the game, there are more possible situations, more possible board positions than there are atoms in the universe. Mm-hmm. And that was just mind-blowing. Yeah, I didn't know that. No, so no, now take that. that That's chess. Now mm-hmm. you talk about human interactions and forget about it. So you do have to, you know, decide, I, I you know, pick uh, some of the best possibilities, check them out, and then work from that because you cannot check out every possibility. And that's, that's essentially, if you noticed, whenever we got back to the shot where usually we came back from commercial break and we're down to the shot and they're getting shot at in the coffee pot, sorry. And then there's a little counter, a little timer counting down. It's, yep. I think at one point we saw eight and six seconds and four seconds. So, you know, it's it's only got so much real time to deal with. It's only got so much CPU time to deal with. And uh, which is why I believe in the last simulation, it's not trying to figure out what each person would say at each moment. It's figuring out this is the kind of thing they would say. And the actor says it, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, that's where we um, I think that's where we came down to there because we just we don't have enough time. We have to pick a few and go at it. Right. And some of the, even even the the instance the simulation that it chose, which was was you could say is is the action that they took. Even within that, the actions that that played out were slightly different than what the machine uh, projected. Uh, and then, of course, there was something else that happened that the machine didn't know, which was the occurrence of Shaw. So there are variables that are going to come into play that that just aren't predictable or aren't aren't. Uh, can't get them all right. Now, the first simulation that we go through, before we know we're talking about simulation. Right, right. Yeah. See, they played it very well. Yes. And, uh, you know, you, you get the death of a major character. I think, think the first one, Harold dies. Finch like, dies, yeah. yes. And it's like, wait, that can't happen. No, he's he's just wounded. He, what? Yeah. You know. And then, I was it, now I'm trying to remember now, did they, did they give that to you before... The commercial break? Or I think did so. They... I, well, I think so. I'm not sure. Uh, I can't remember yeah. exactly. But yeah, I mean, they, they they used these commercial breaks as, you know, as part of the plot. Mm-hmm. You know, these breaks in it make you go, wait, 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 what? You know, so you got three minutes to go bananas. Yeah. And and then, you know, come back and say, okay, let's rewind and try this one again. And I mean, just, we, we get to see the mind. Of the, and, and the machine has been doing this. You know, this has been going through the machine's mind, I guess, you know, over and over again, this yeah. whole series. Yeah. And this is just now we get to see what it's thinking. We got to see the into the through. mind of the machine. It was awesome. Now, how, when did you figure out that it was a simulation and not that Finch was actually dead? Whenever they did the rewind. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the first yeah. rewind, it's like, oh, there we go. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then, uh, then they back up and say, you know, like, simulation like terminated. Said, he's, or it's got a lot it on his mind, and you yeah. know, it it goes back and you know rewinds the stuff, yeah. and it's like, oh, okay, alrighty. Now this is interesting. And then to, you know, at that point, it's you you lose the drama. You lose, you know, if somebody dies, you're worried. You could be worried about it, but now we know it's a simulation. So, the, so the that drama is gone. Right. That's evaporated now. We were we we know that that it's everybody's expendable in this, and, and which may or may not work. So, it's then what you're looking at is the differences, and that's I'm sure exactly what they did. The, the why would they be a Degas on a cinder block wall in the basement of the stock exchange? You know, so 
the noticing of that, the splitting up of the teams, the splitting up of the teams and mixing them up, mm-hmm. the different person who the different person who is talking to Shaw trying to get her through it. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think she's on her own one time. Reese does one time. Fusco does one mm-hmm. time. You know. And just, I, I like that. I mean, again, we're not moving the plot along, but we are seeing into the mind of what's been going on all this time. Well, I, we get oh, to see, wow. too, how the machine views each of them, you know, where he's, especially when the machine gets to the point where it's it's saving cal- calculations and, and just f- filling in generic yep. terms, <laughs> you know, that that was as revealing as anything else. You know, we we've we've known that Root has the hots for Shaw for quite some time. She's she's not tried to hide that in the least. But I think we were still kind of wondering: does does Shaw have some feelings like that for Root, or does she? And she's just try, trying to downplay it, or does she really? You know, really not. And and so we got by them just putting in generic terms in this episode. I think we got a pretty good pretty good clear idea of, of how Shaw feels about Root and, and she 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 loves her but not in that way you know and and I it was so clever it was so well done and I totally fell for it you know when when Harold was first shot I thought okay well that stinks he'll, he'll be all right I mean cuz you know this is Fitz we're talking <laughs> about here and he he can't die and then he's he's fading out i'm like well he'll lose consciousness that that's fine just it's a drama you know well and i thought at some point root was going to die too she said whatever happens to me don't stop installing that software it said don't whatever happens to me yeah just, yeah yeah that's the death certificate on, you know, <laughs> out of script yes yeah but when he died i was like what are you doing to me here and then of course it was a second later i didn't so i didn't have a chance to figure it out i don't think i i would have i might have eventually but Oh, it was so good. I, and I love the different iterations, too. It was, it was brilliantly written. Because how else could you essentially show the same sequence of events, what, four different ways, and keep the audience engaged? And at the end of the episode, everyone in the audience is going, nine, 9.5, 10, best episode ever. That's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, showing something over and over again. Yes, that how, how, do, how do you keep the audience engaged, interested. I've seen this before. Okay, we're just doing it differently, whatever. That that takes a lot of um that that puts a lot of pressure on the writer to really get you interested now in a different uh a different thing. You know, Shaw's explanations, the the different ones she came up with based on who gave her uh information, who gave her some uh, ideas were were really good. I mean, they, a lot of that was I could almost hear Finch talking uh, out of her mouth, you know, all these possibilities, these people are with you, you know, who's going to miss you, that sort of thing. You know, at, at the beginning, you know, she was just kind of, I, I don't know, it didn't seem like she had her heart in it, but I think, I think it was the one where nobody told her what to say is where she really, it really came through on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the machine, getting its, uh, uh, it's instructions about chess from Finch and Finch talking about, you know, the people, you know, people aren't a chess game. If you treat people like they're chess pieces, you don't deserve to win. Yeah. And I think that Shaw's last attempt that worked was, was, was the not treating this guy as a chess piece. I'm just trying to save you because I got this guy over here. I'm trying mm-hmm. to get some numbers from. So you're not a chess piece. I'm, I, I care about you. So I think, I think it was a, a you know, kind of a parallel there. Uh, although, you know, if you treat people as chess pieces, you don't deserve to win. It looked almost like the machine really was doing it. Because think about it. 
it was going through all the the first move it couldn't figure out what to make because it was going through every possible you know scenario and then you know here's here's what uh, here's the best move and that's essentially what it was doing with the sims now again we had, it had a time crunch so it couldn't do them all but it's really just trying to save as many people you know two two uh, objectives save the financial situation save the people and it seemed like it didn't have it was it was it was kind of doing it in the chess you know like thing i needed to definitely save the financial situation but ultimately what it says i think we saw at the end there we had like 2% chance of the team surviving i don't know if it meant surviving everybody dies or 2% chance of you know uh every uh, 2% chance of everybody surviving somebody might take mm-hmm. take a bullet take you know get taken out and so there's a little bit of that there but uh, generally speaking though i think it was trying to not just save the the stock exchange, but minimize the damage to its acolytes, shall we say. Yeah, I definitely think it was doing that. But at the same time, I think that it also looked at it as the entire mission is a failure if any if any part of the mission fails. If if any of the if any of the people die, then the entire mission, the entire sim is not worth pursuing. Let's throw that sim out, let's get a new sim in where at least everybody has a chance of survival. And, and that is to say that everybody was equal. Every every portion of the mission was equal. Save the financial market. That that's important for any number of people and any number of nations. So that had to be objective number one. Uh, but then you, you look at it, and because you could argue Finch is the admin, he's the number one guy. But but it wasn't enough to save Finch. Everyone needed to get saved in order for, or at least have a chance to to make it through in order for it to be a successful mission. And I, and I think that's really the message that was tying in there is that that not one member of the team was more expendable or less expendable than anybody else. And then we come to the last simulation. Uh, You wonder how much of human behavior the machine knows, and clearly it does. And there's a feedback later. I didn't get it all written down, but Doc H thankfully went to a uh, closed captioning website Oh, did he? And f- yes, and he found the. Uh, it's in his. Uh, feedback ah, yes, there a it later. is. I see it. Yeah, they we'll get were to classic. That. Uh, just you know, <laughs> and, and and some of this, I, it's almost as if it was playing around. Fusco gives Rude a kiss at one point. You know, right? Well, that was fantastic. <laughs> he deserved it. Yes, he's the every man who's ever ever wanted to, to kiss her. You know, he got to do it. So all, <laughs> all the rest of the guys are going. You go, Fusco. <laughs> that was great. That was absolutely great. But yeah, but these, if if you look at them, and again, we'll see them later. But they perfectly describe the kind of. And I wonder, I wonder if there's a writers' room you know, wall where this is. These are the kind of things that uh, that Fusco will say, and Root will say to Shaw, and and, and Reese will say to Fusco, and that sort of thing. And it's got to be this kind of thing to stay in character. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like we're reading. You know, off of their. Uh, kind of inside baseball this is what we uh, always try to make sure the line sounds like right oh it's fantastic it was so so good i was laughing out loud and that's another look that is another kudos to not only the writer but but the director of this episode the cinematography in this episode was so good mm. we, we haven't talked to it about it yet but when you're talking about going through this thing we're on the third sim now and it is intense. Even though it's on the third sim, I'm still like tense and on the edge of my seat. And I'm laughing out loud. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> brilliantly done. 
There, it remind as soon as I heard the, what was going on, I didn't quite catch it. The very beginning was like, wait, 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 wait a minute. What are they? Oh, there was a song that um, some guys at my alma mater years ago uh, did a uh, video to this song. The name of the song is Title of the Song, and the idea is that it was a kind of a template for every boy band song ever written. Nice. And yeah, so title of the song is the title, and it's actually you know the chorus starts out with title of the song. That's where, that's where it would go, you know, naive expression of love, reluctance to accept that you are gone. So, so stuff like that. So <laughs> it, it, and and the, there's got a couple of verses. It's got a great uh, a great bit at the end where they're all you know improvising title title title. You know that kind of stuff. Anyway, it's uh, I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes, and I did put a link to it in the facebook page and you can play it right there it's fantastic it's great harmony they do a great four-part harmony it's a it's an acapella comedy band called uh da vinci's notebook they're not together anymore unfortunately but they did a great job with that so that's the first thing i thought of and i had to i just thought i'd had to i think once you have seen this episode you will appreciate that uh, song even more definitely you played that for me before we hit the record button and because of copyright rules, we're not really able to play it here unless we get their permission, which we don't have. But you played it before before we hit the record button for me, and it, I was laughing out loud. It was perfectly fitting for this episode. Oh, let's see. Oh, I had a line here uh, before the last. I think it was before the last. Uh, well, the real time. You see, with the the counter is going down, and it mm-hmm. says switching to real time. So this is like. I've decided what we're going to do. It's it's uh, option 83, 833,333. But we go back to the chess game one more time. And Finch says, uh, I don't think anyone is worth more than anyone else. He's trying to get the machine to uh, get an idea of the the, equal, the quality of human beings. Mm-hmm. And then he says, I don't envy the, the decisions you'll have to make. So, yeah, it's indeed that uh, I wouldn't want to be making these decisions. Right. It's making life and death decisions, and it can do it coldly, but, you know, because emotion would certainly cloud that judgment. Uh, but there is still, it's not so much emotion that the machine has, but it does have that sense of ethics, that sense of value. Uh, and so, like, uh, like, uh, uh, Finch says later on, chess is just a game, but you can't assign different values to people. Anyone who treats life as a game of chess deserves to lose, and that's exactly what. Greer, of course, is doing right. Yes, we agree. So, yeah. He definitely <laughs> deserves to lose. <laughs> Please, uh, but I and there was one thing. Uh, who was it now? I think it was Fusco who said, "Hey, you know, they're waiting and waiting for them. It seems like an eternity. We know it's just a couple of seconds or so. Give it a second. But Fusco says, "Hey, maybe or maybe it was Reese. I forget. Maybe the machine hasn't thought through all the angles. Oh, if you only knew." Yeah, and it's, it was great for us because we know all the the calculations that the machine has just gone through. In the moment of time, in, in like a span of 10 to 15 seconds, it went through hundreds of thousands of options. That was fascinating. Well, well see, that's the thing. It, 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 I think this was the, uh, the chess game example because you know, at the very beginning it says, you know, it's kind of reviewing its, its, its initial programming. It can't go through all the options. It could, you know, it took an hour sure. to make the first move in chess. So I think the, I think that we're trying to show here is that it had to pick from, you know, you know, what it could. If it could go through, it had enough time to go through all the options. Yeah. It could save everybody and everybody be great, but it can't. It just I got didn't you. have time. I could see you that know? for sure. Yeah. I may have misinterpreted that. 
but but yeah, it had so, it had so much to go through. It's like well, let's try this one, mm-hmm. let's try that one over there, you know. So wow, so so that gives the as much of a dramatic, um, as much of a drama element you can put to a machine doing calculations. That's that's about as good as you can get. I I've got you know almost a million things to choose from, and I got you know two seconds to do it. I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's scary because so much hinges on it. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. everything hinges on the decision that the machine makes. It's high drama. And so finally we get everybody out to, and Shaw even finally shows up. Yes. Now we really have all our eggs in one elevator. Right. And there's the elevator override. I love the, the what happened. And I, I missed this on my first watch because I was watching the people, not the graphics on the screen. On my second watch, when Shaw shows up, you know, it had the the percentage of survival down there. It's like 2.07%. When Shaw shows up, the percentage, and it was on the on the top part of the screen, it was in white, started exponentially going up. It, it, it was, oh. you know, ticking higher and higher and higher and higher, 20%. And it just uh, increased the odds of survival. Now, we saw another countdown percentage of Shaw's survival there at the end of the episode. But yeah, that was really cool. I missed that the first time through. Okay. I missed that. That the, see, and, and the machine has been so busy. It, you know, it looked like it was putting its, all of its effort into, you know, getting our, our team out of there so that it could not necessarily keep track of Shaw. Where is she now? Didn't know that she was going to show up. How would the machine not know? It was, I don't know, kind of busy. Just a little bit there, you know, trying to figure out what's going on and running all those silly simulations. So, yeah, yeah, I hadn't seen that. That's a that's a great catch. And then she sacrifices herself to, you know, go get to the elevator or elevator override. And, um, you know, you get you, she gets hit a couple of times. Martine is, you know, right down the right down the hallway there. Mm-hmm. And a couple of hits, one under the arm, I think, and spins her around and that sort of thing. And. You start seeing now. First, you get to see Root. Really, you know, she you she's usually, I don't know, overly happy, you know, you know, and and this is one time she's like, no, she's she's not anymore. Wow. Yeah, she did a she did a fantastic job acting that out as she's watching Shaw get murdered, and then the elevator doors slowly close, and then right after they close, one more shot. Now. Mm-hmm. You and there's the question of the day right there. Yeah, really. That What is that last shot? When we last saw Shaw, she had two, maybe three bullet holes in her. Um, she was laying on the ground in a pool of blood. The machine said that there was a point zero 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 zero. I don't know, at least six zeros. I don't know what the, what percentage that is. One, one millionth of a chance of survival. Hmm. Martine is standing above her. Martine has already given the order shoot for head or, or, you know, middle torso area. So shoot to kill. There's no reason for me to think that Martine would not pull that trigger. We heard one more shot after the elevator closed all the way. So we don't know where the shot came from. Doug, I think, I think Shaw's dead. I, I, I have a feeling that she may be as well. Um, Unless there is, unless they have something, mean, in most science fiction TV shows, and frankly, this is one, mm-hmm. it's got a, a certain science fiction element to it, even though it may be 
rather similar to what we have. There's still a, a bit of sci-fi to it. There is, there are ways to bring people back, but I think that the, they're really going for more realism given this sci-fi element. I mean, we're not going to try to use the transporter to bring somebody back from a different period in their life kind of thing right. on Star Trek. I don't think so. This is going to be, you know, uh, it, I think it would be almost cheating to say, well, you know, now she's not really dead. She's only mostly dead. And and try to, try to you know, bring her back as a, I don't know, a goon for Samaritan or maybe back with Northern Lights or something like that. I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly. Unless they, like, put her on life support. And I, I, I don't see... Some, the Samaritan folks doing that? Well, no, no, I don't see Samaritan folks doing that either. I think the only chance of survival that Shaw has, because she's mortally wounded as it is, she needs to be in the hospital getting surgery in the next 10 minutes or she's going to bleed out. I mean, that's my assessment. But that last shot that we saw, I think it's either one of two things. One, it, it was off screen because it was a headshot. As uh, let's see, who just put that in the chat room? Fringe um, Peaks. Fringe Peaks headshot. I, that's, that was my thought too. You're not going to show a headshot, you know, on camera, not on not not on network television. Well, unless it's Revolution. <laughs> I thought there were a few in that one. Well, there was some. That was a pretty bloody show. You're right. Yeah. Uh, or or number two, I, I will say. Yeah, I will say. Poi has not been that. Yeah. No, no, it has not. Uh, or number two is somebody came to save the day. And I don't know who that would be except Elias. Uh, is there anyone else who would come to save the day except Elias? Mm, yeah, uh, Dominic wouldn't. So that's no. all I can think of. No. And I do think that's a possibility. So so I'm, what I'm saying is that shot we heard was Martine or someone else in her team getting shot. There was a bunch of them, man. What was there, 10 of them? Well, they'd all been taken out by the bomb. So maybe was, was there two? Oh, I hadn't. Th- I don't know. I don't Gosh, exactly I don't know. Who might have left, been left uh, standing yeah. there. Hmm. Maybe it was just Martine. Chat room, help us out on that. So, man, but I don't. I don't feel good about it. I think she's dead. Yeah, I'm with you. I think this is probably it. if she lingers. I mean, this is a trilogy, so maybe she lingers a little bit in the third episode. But I, I don't think she is long for this world. Well, if she's dead, I blame Barb. No, I, was, I want to be known. Barb predicted it. I think first. So I blame you, Barb. I predicted Root, so I'm 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 okay. <laughs> yeah. Now Doc H says no, the machine was just making another slow mo calculation. Shaw lives. Just look at the campy way Martine and her five dudes completely expose themselves to Shaw's gunfire in that sequence. Mm. He'll have a little more in his uh, feedback. Yeah, that's he's he's got an interesting point. I I I don't agree with it. But oh, okay. he, does a, he does have a he does a good point. I haven't read his email. I skimmed I skimmed it, but I I didn't see that part in there. So I'm looking forward to hearing that. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we we've talked about Shaw already. I don't know if you want to talk any more about the the subway scene. I think did we did we get it talked about well enough? I think yeah. I, I in our little little inside baseball folks, little we have a little uh, shared Google Doc, and I kind of put that. That's thing with Shaw on the uh, subway as a B story, but it really wasn't. It really was kind of integrated into that. I just, yeah, I just think she was doing a great job with, because um, this is all part of the same simulation. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the machine was was considering her part of the situation as well, except the fact that it did not know she was going to, you know, come save the, the end yeah. there. But her getting that code was paramount to them achieving their objective or, or gaining access to the room where they could where they could achieve their objective of, of saving the financial 
a day. Shooting that little uh, entry thing instead of typing in the number seemed to be uh, a death sentence. However, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think if I was creating a, a little uh, number pad to keep people from getting into a door, if it ever malfunctioned, I'd lock the door. It just seems that, well, just shoot that and the door opens. <laughs> you know, first guy with a gun and he's got, it's like a master key. Bang, 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 bang. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Such a good episode, man. I mean, I'll say it again. The writing was good. The cinematography, the slow-mo, the close-up shots of, of bullets hitting the ground, the, the shrapnel mm-hmm. flying from the slow-mo fruits and vegetables. The coffee pot was cool, even though coffee was sacrificed. Yeah, yeah. Muffins even too. the shots, like the, the tight hallway shots where you had Root and she, when, when in the simulation where she gets a Shaw to say, you know, she's like, you're telling me there's a chance, you know, does the whole <laughs> dumb and dumber thing with Shaw. And when she turns around and the way it's like, it's Martine and her goons and just the tight shots of that. And some of those hallway shots where the, the angles and the, the lighting on them. I don't know, man. I just, this was a brilliant episode. I especially liked the hallway shot when uh, Reese and Fusco were, were were cornered, were trapped on both ends, and some of the lines there were fantastic. I mean, it, you know, they're jumping back and forth to you mm-hmm. know either side of them, you know, and uh, I'm 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 just insulting some of Samaritan's goons, kind of busy. Yeah. You know, so uh, I, I liked even some of the subtleties in that hallway where you know Finch was the only one that picked up on the Degas. Of course, he would be. Mm-hmm. When he and and Root went down that hallway and killed the goons, Root kills the goons, they keep trudging through, which was a red alert to Greer, where he called in Martine, and that's what led to their death. Well, in the next simulation, you have Fusco and Reese that are going down there, and Fusco and and Reese both, because of their background, they both knew, although Fusco's the one that did it, got the comm recorder, yeah, everything's, you know, the whole Star Wars trick, yeah, everything's good on cell block D, whatever it is, no, 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 you know, shoots it with the blaster they didn't have to shoot it with the blaster but they knew to get on the comm and call off the dogs and it got them a step farther but not enough so just those little subtleties like that where they played off of the machine is calculating what each person's skills are for the situation at hand again it was just a fascinating insight not only into what skills each person has but how the machine views each of those people And, and it was just brilliant yeah, yeah, Brilliant. I like that. Brilliant. How the machine views them, especially in the sim where you hear them saying their type of line rather than the line itself. It knows them enough that it can take care of, you know, even that. Right. Alrighty. I think we've talked that one to death. Okay. How about some surveillance in the news? Ooh, I would love some surveillance in the news. Did you got some you got some Christmas presents on Christmas, I'm I'm assuming? I got a couple of things. I was not as bad this year as I thought I might have been. All righty. Well, we all got, you may not have known this, but we all got a a Christmas present from the National Security Agency. Did you know? Yeah, they were really tricky. They did this on Christmas Day when everyone has their attention diverted elsewhere. Well, actually, it was Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve day. Um, You know, nobody's expecting gifts, you know. They're putting stuff in the stockings and stuff like that. But the NSA on Christmas Eve Day released 12 years, which you can just read in an afternoon, I'm sure, of <laughs> internal oversight reports. This is from the website The Intercept. 
documenting abusive and improper practices by agency employees. The heavily redacted reports to the president's Intelligent Oversight Board found that NSA employees repeatedly engaged in unauthorized surveillance of communications by American citizens, failed to follow legal guidelines regarding the retention of private information, and shared data with unauthorized recipients. Now, doesn't that make you feel good about our government? Oh, yes. While the NSA has come under public pressure for openness since high-profile revelations by whistleblower Edward Snowden, the the release of the heavily redacted internal reports at 1.30 p.m. on Christmas Eve demonstrates limits to the agency's attempts to demonstrate transparency. (laughs) Releasing bad news right before a holiday weekend, often called a Christmas Eve surprise, is a common tactic for trying to minimize press coverage. And it did, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. It still got out, but not nearly as much as it would have. No. The reports released in response to a Freedom of Information Act. So they didn't do this, you know, voluntarily. Somebody had to file a FOIA request submitted by the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, offered a few, offered few revelations, but contained accounts of internal behavior embarrassing to the agency. In one instance, an NSA employee searched her spouse's personal telephone directory without his knowledge to obtain names and telephone numbers for targeting, a practice which previous reports have indicated was common enough to warrant its own name, Loveint, L-O-V-E-I-N-T, Love Intelligence. Now, there are other abbreviations like SIGINT for signal intelligence, getting, you know, information from radio signals and that sort of mm, thing, or okay. HUMINT for human intelligence, people on the ground and something. So, we now have Loveint. The love in. Thank you. <laughs> Man, you are singing up a storm tonight. <laughs> I'll be here all week. <laughs> silly, um, silly suggestion of what to eat. Oh, I'm sorry. Many of the reports appear to deal with instances of human error rather than malicious misuse of agency resources. So they're not evil. They're just stupid. There you go. <laughs> well... That's that's a perfectly legitimate excuse for anything. I, I have heard never attribute to malice what can be equally uh, explained by stupidity. So there mm. you are. Okay. Um, and so there you are. That's your, your wonderful uh, Christmas Eve uh, gift from the NSA. And as a Christmas present from me, a belated Christmas present from me, I'm going to include in the show notes a video of a kangaroo taking out a drone. Oh, that sounds entertaining, actually. Oh, yes, you. It's 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 amazing. They're they're good. They, they and I think we should just you know populate the United States with the uh, with the uh, kangaroos and just have them take out all these NSA spying things. That will do it. Mm. You know, I don't know what the machine will do. The machine can't really predict kangaroos. <laughs> I wonder if the ca- kangaroos have like a leader, like a like a captain. No, oh, the kangaroo overlord. Uh, speaking of drones, those were like one of the number one gifts given for Christmas. This really, year. personal drones? Yeah, <laughs> they're they're really. I mean, they're coming down in price like crazy. My brother in law's got a couple, and it's like he, I've seen some of the videos he's taken, and it's really good. I mean, you just they they're very, uh, you know, they've got it to the point where it's very steady, and actually the camera is on a little bit of a. A gimbal, it got a little gyroscope stuff. So if there is some movement, like the wind or something like that, at least the picture stays uh, stays steady. So it's really mm-hmm. cool. Gimbal, man, you used a nice little camera word there, a little videography word there. Well, I was either gimbals or Macy's. I wasn't sure which one it was. I see. Well, I don't know what a Macy is other than a store. That's that's, that's what I was doing. 
Or maybe it's a Walmart. It's it's a kind of hanging on a Walmart thing. I don't know. What do I know? I don't know. I know. I know. We should do, do some know? feedback. That's what I know. All right. I love it. You've heard us talk. Now we want to hear you. That's right. Let's start it out with our good friend, Barb. Hi, Daryl and Doug. This is Barb calling in with feedback on the POI epi, if, then, else. The POI writers continue to amaze me. Their creativity and genius is a beautiful thing to watch. I've watched this epi twice so far, but I think I need to watch it a few more times because there's so much great dialogue and action packed into it. Kudos to them and to the incredible acting talents of the entire team. Okay, let me reset and give you a few random thoughts. Shaw made her sacrifice, I believe, and what a way to go. She was indeed the queen of the chessboard. It was so sad to watch the machine almost desperately and in a panic try to evaluate scenarios to save her and to watch the odds drop to near zero. I still think that our machine has a heart in there somewhere. I also noted that the machine's primary mission seemed to be to evacuate assets in each simulation and that saving the financial market was secondary, again reinforcing my thought that our machine is watching over our team and showing us that our machine is an intelligent and yet feeling AI. It still didn't get it completely right. Our team made some of their own decisions along the way, but it seemed to have grasped Harold's teaching that people are not a thing you can sacrifice. I still believe that the series will end with an epic battle between the machines and our machine will sacrifice itself to take out Samaritan and to save our team based on what it has learned. Papa Bird taught Baby Bird well. The best line of the night? Well, that had to be Fusco. Why not? We're in a simulation. It was good to have a laugh in the middle of the drama. I can't imagine what next week will bring, but I know it's going to be great. Thanks for all your work on this podcast, guys. Happy New Year. Glad to have you back. This is Barb signing out and planning to avoid the break room at work for a while. Stay away from the coffee pot. There won't be any coffee. You have to go to Starbucks, I guess. One thing I heard, uh, I forget where I... Oh, I saw it on a uh, little video they had. It was kind of behind the scenes on the CBS site about this... uh, Episode. I didn't post it on the Facebook page because there's some, I thought, maybe really spoilery stuff that I didn't want to toss out there. But if you go to the CBS site, you can find it. But one of the things was when they were doing that simulation where they're saying the type of line rather than the line itself, mm-hmm. um, uh, Sarah Shahi said it was difficult to memorize those lines because they weren't lines, you know? They were just <laughs> descriptions. And so it was kind of hard to, you know, they don't flow nicely. So it was, it was kind of a difficult That's uh, interesting. To, to keep that in, in their head. Yeah. That is very interesting. Now, she proposes a different ending to the series than Doc H does. And might I might I say at this point, I appreciate the efforts by Doc H and Barb to foresee how the series will end, but enough of this ending of the series talk. Let's not talk about that, all right? That's like three years from now. Um, but she, she foresees a different scenario where maybe the, the machine will sacrifice itself and uh, taking out Samaritan and... Um, you know, I could, I could see, I could see that happening as well. Although I'm hoping that the battle between Samaritan and the machine is not a series finale, but maybe a season finale. Yeah. Yeah. I can say the Samaritan maybe last this, uh, this, that's kind of the, uh, the big bad for this season. Like, uh, vigilance was last season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll see. Alrighty. We had another great feedback based on this episode now from Doc H. Now he's going to have, 
those those classic lines. We can trade these off, okay? We'll kind of Okay. I think it'll be cool. Okay, he said, What a great slash terrible episode. Wow. Probably the best forty two seconds of TV writing ever, followed by the most horrific TV ending ever. Okay. <laughs> The whole 42-second segment with personal narrative descriptives about what their characters were likely to say, as extrapolated by the machine, was award-winning TV platinum. Not gold. Platinum. Totally Emmy-worthy in that raw... Raw. There we go. There's one of the shipper names. Raw or shoot. Root, Shaw, Reese, Fusco, Finch all got to voice over their interpolated cliché commentary. Okay, here we go. Coolly delivered sadistic warning. Self-deprecating inquiry into the time necessary to infiltrate system. Funny yet insightful retort. Mildly agitated declaration of mission completion. Gentle exhortation to further action. Overly affectionate greeting. Greeting. Transparent rationale for conversation. Annoyed attempt to deflect subtext. Overt come on. Mildly embarrassed defensiveness bordering on hostility. Playfully witty sign-off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Doc. Oh, man, that was good stuff. I All right, he says... I, I was laughing so hard. <laughs> okay, he says, now about the end part. The Sam Peckinpah slow-motion riddling of Shaw with enemy bullets was absolutely soul-crushing. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that most of what we saw near the end was true... My instinct is that this smooch and the blasting of Shaw was the machine receding back into extrapolation mode. Shaw was most likely captured and probably wounded, but not Swiss cheesed. The slow motion is the clue. Uh, now, see, I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't either. Hmm. The machine, or our insight into the machine's reasoning, was always announced with the slow-mo treatment when they were all huddled on the floor in the break room. No need to assume any different with the slow-mo ending Bad Robot offered. Not a reality, just a possibility, and a vicious writer's trick, too. This isn't lost. Stop messing with us. What next? An observer, a la Fringe, steps through a trans-dimensional portal and rescues the team? I'm just saying, option 833,333 isn't finalized. It's just undergoing a beta revision, or a version 2.01 build. <laughs> By the way, I have never adored and admired Amy Acker anymore. I am seriously crushing on Root right now, even more than Daryl. Cheers, and sadly, jeers, Doc H. I would hope you crush on her more than you crush on me. <laughs> there you go. Is that what he meant? That's got to be... Did I misinterpret that, too? I might have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dutch. This one comes in from Andrew. He opens it up with a preferatory apology for length of feedback. <laughs> I give this, I give if then else 10 spaces in any direction, though I also like the option of 10 slow motion gunshots. This is not 10. No, that would be, oh man, talk about Swiss cheese. <laughs> yeah, it would. This is an amazing episode across the board, no pun intended. One that's had my head buzzing since Tuesday night. It's quite an accomplishment in being both action-packed and thought-provoking. Even if some of the action is cyclical, it works as a song, a parable, and a tie-back to the Alice and Bob scenario Finch presented in Prophets. 
The flashbacks in this episode are beautifully done, maybe my favorite of any episode. In fairness, it's always satisfying to hear facts, figures, and philosophical discourse from Michael Emerson. I love how the show incorporates chess and that we're continuing to gain insight about Finch. Specifically, more light is shed into his disillusionment with the machine. To suggest the death of Congressman McCourt was to regard him as a chess piece. The slow-mo used throughout the episode is a great way to represent the speed of the machine's decision-making and adds dimension to the drama. At the end of the third flashback, it even creates an ominous feeling, like a rising wind before a storm. Mm. Speaking of the machine, I've sometimes felt that it's a sort of manifestation of the writers. It points the team to people who are involved in violent crime and some who are also tied to something bigger. For example, Cyrus Wells and Ali Hassan. But it's the writers who orchestrate all of that. The machine has access to much more information than anyone on the team, just as the writers do. And in this episode, the machine takes on a very meta-writing role in working with its own understanding of the characters. Shaw's part on the subway is particularly interesting as further symbolism of change or transition. It's where Reese was shortly before he met Finch. It's where Elias inquired to Finch about the world having changed. The subway car and the team's new base could symbolize the transitory and precarious situation they are in this season. Might I just stop right there and just say that that was a bit of brilliance on Andrew's part? I had mm-hmm. That's just fascinating. Really, really well done. Sorry, I hadn't read this until just now, so I'm just enjoying it. Um, okay, he goes on to say, The location works for Shaw as the machine determines the best circumstances for her to address the would-be suicide bomber. Those scenes work as a microcosm of Shaw's development with the team. And that brings me to the bittersweet ending. There's the multi-purpose parting gift to Root. Shaw's sacrifice itself shows both loyalty and a bit of pride. I realized the latter thanks to this awesome summation from Sarah Shahi in one of her recent interviews. She looked death squarely in the eye. She had a hint of a smile in her eyes, and then it just went to black. The heartbreaking parts are the machine's last second desperation and the most emotion we've yet seen from Root. Playfully, would he sign off with note of excitement for next episode? <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was that, great. That's, that's, yeah, like you said, that whole bit with the, uh, the symbolism of the subway car. I hadn't really thought about that before, but yeah, I mean, and especially since that's where their uh, their lair is kind of centered around mm-hmm. uh, this time, but also, you know, where we found uh, Reese initially, where Elias and Finch had that uh, uh, the really uh, what the the nature of the world conversation. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. I wonder what they're trying to say with that. Maybe just that's kind of an important place, uh, especially in the you know the New York the New Yorker mythos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I had some great comments on the Facebook uh, thread there. We had, uh, uh, we set up a, you know, like I said, a Facebook comment uh, thread so that the spoilers were in the comments and so you wouldn't necessarily uh, get spoiled if you hadn't seen this yet. So, uh, Monica said, brilliant. What a great episode. I loved how they tied Finch's chess game with the machine together with the machine's attempt to resolve the team's predicament. We got to see the human logic Finch has tried to instill into it. I must say, when Finch was shot, I stopped breathing for a minute, but was relieved when I saw that it was only one of the machine's simulations. 
It reminded me of the movie Groundhog Day. Keep doing it till you get it right. I was scared that we were going to lose Shaw this episode. I hope they'll be able to save her next week. Love the scenes with Fusco, and obviously Root has very deep feelings for Shaw. Can't wait for it next Tuesday. Man, I am glad that we don't have to wait. If this had been the episode in mid-December that we had to wait oh. two weeks for, it would have been like slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> give it a second. Just give it a second. Yeah. Or three weeks. Yeah. All right. No. Well, this one comes in from Linda. This is a comment she made on the uh, Facebook group. She says, I loved it. I had a bit of season four fringe as Peter began to insulate himself into the different world and timeline. Of course, Groundhog's Day, but also Pulp Fiction as its storyline cared not about a linear story. I think my favorite episode ever, partly because I actually understood what was happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, they get to see it three or four times. Yeah, that does help. I'm with you on that, Linda. And finally, Allie said, Doug and Daryl, you know my saying. Unless there's a decapitation, there's a possibility of resurrection. I'm not sure about Shaw yet. Also, the generic scenarios were hilarious. Fusco and Root, also chuckle-worthy. The writers are brilliant, managing to keep the tension high even after we discover we're actually watching simulations. And personally, I'm still guessing. Amazing episode. Well, I'm guessing, too, after what Doc H. proposed with the slow motion, you know, parts of the way the episode yeah. ended. That's, mm. I really you gave me hope, about Doc. Thank you. You gave me hope. Yeah, it still can happen. Now, I, I, I will say that there is some information, and I'll probably wait till the spoiler section here. Uh, but I, that's why I'm still, I still think that uh, maybe this is, uh, this is Shaw's uh, swan song. I, again, like I said, I think that bringing her back from that mm-hmm. the ultimate sacrifice i think would be kind of cheating you know we've had there were some shows where uh they would bring a character back and it's like oh um i heard this uh charge leveled at doctor who a few times you know rose and uh, she keeps coming back and she you know that that's that sort of thing or if um they would bring some other companions and stuff they were dead well now they're back for you know because because we really like that and that character and we want to bring her back for well then that really takes away from the, the 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 touching scene when they parted or died or whatever. So, I, I have a feeling that if if Shaw does come back, it's got to be incredibly, you know, written. Mm-hmm. It would have to be really well done. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Well, here's the thing: we want to hear from you. Next week's episode should be another amazing episode. The ending of this three part trilogy, the three part series that that they've been giving us here. So. Send us in your thoughts. We've been talking about the Facebook group. That's again, facebook.com slash groups slash person of interest podcast. Easy oh, to find. Oh, no, there it is. It's person of interest GSM. Oh. Oh, well, I'm glad you threw it out there to correct. So it's facebook.com slash groups slash person of interest GSM. That's, is that right, Doug? That's right. You should listen all the way through the podcast for these things. (laughs) You can also hit us up on the Golden Spiral Media voice feedback line. That's 304-837-2278. Or head over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. You can upload an audio file that way. Use the SpeakPipe widget to record an audio file or type out your email contribution. That's what Andrew did. And I think Doc might have done his that way too. Um, But uh so many ways to get in touch with us for this podcast. We want you to be a part of it and we want to hear your thoughts, not only about next week's episode, but about every episode moving forward. Absolutely. And that way, you know, if we, we, we can't possibly 
stumble over the words. If you say them. That's right. We're off the hook. That's right. Alrighty, I think it's time for some spoilers. Okay. And some information about next week. Now, the first thing I want to say is uh, Sarah Shahi is pregnant. The actress is pregnant with twins. No, you know who her husband is? No, I don't. Did you ever watch Reba? I occasionally, once or twice when I was walking by and the TV was on and nobody had changed the channel. The guy that played Van? Oh. That's oh, her husband. Okay. Yeah. Oh, alrighty. Yeah. But she was on she was on Reba twice. A uh, different character both times, but my wife's kind of a Reba fanatic, so uh, I know more about Reba than I wish I did, but um <laughs> Well, she's pregnant with twins, hmm. and so the, the, I, I had read an article about the fact that she, you know, the, the, the question was, what do the writers do with this? Do they try to hide it? You know, she's always carrying groceries or has this, you know, big coat on or something like that, or maybe she really is pregnant on the show, and is she really the maternal kind? I don't know yeah. if that's the kind of, you know, so... um so that was, they were going back and forth, and they, they, and they finally, I think, they decided to um, take her out. Now, some of what they said led me to believe that they, well, you know, she could come back. Well, you know, so hmm. it, and now, I don't know how much of that was mollifying some of the Shaw fans. If, you know, because like I said, I, I, it would really have to be a good uh, episode to bring her back. But from the for, for the reason she is leaving, and she's known since the beginning of, uh, since they started filming uh, this season. So my guess is that she is down for the count. Wow, I didn't know that. I was still holding out hope she might be back next week. Well, she may be back next week, but, you know. Maybe, Probably not long yeah. for the POI no, world. I don't think so. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm hearing. Okay. Let's talk about next week's episode. We have had a, we mentioned this, uh, I think last week as well. We've had some computer related titles here, if then else, this past week. Next week, it's Control Alt Delete. And those of you, of course, who own Windows machines know that when you're starting a machine over, sometimes that's what you need to do to kind of get its attention. Does that work on my Mac? Um, no. Mm. So, so if you have a Mac, you're going to have to come up with an alternate title. I see. So anyway, yes, yeah, because I have no idea what it is. I don't know, Mac, from the hole in the ground. Anyway, <laughs> but this is interesting. We need to think control alt delete. So maybe you know something's resetting. Well, not just that. Maybe it is, but it's this season or this episode brings back the character of control. Oh uh, yes, Cameron yes, Manheim yes. is back. I love her. And, She's oh, great. Yes, and she said, "Well, the the uh, this." The scripture this says, Control, who oversees the handling of relevant numbers for the government, she still is kind of, you know, in control, begins to question the methods and intentions of the Samaritan program. Also, alarming news reports of a pair of vigilantes rampaging through the Northeast begin to surface on Person of Interest, Tuesday, January 13th. Interesting. Mm. Okay, I like what I'm hearing there. So we're bringing her back. And also in the recurring cast in this, Oaks Fagley as Gabriel. We're going to see the creepy little kid again. Mm-hmm. And boy, was he creepy. <laughs> he was good. He was, was good. good. He was yeah. fantastic. Like I said, the last time he was on, you know, kid actors trying to portray a, 
a mature, you know, a dial doing a mature dialogue. You know, he, it's he's essentially the avatar for a semi sort of mature kind of uh, uh, back end. They don't pull it off really well. Mm-hmm. This kid did. He was fantastic. Yeah, it'll be good to see him again for sure. Well, next week's episode I see you've written here is written by Andy Callahan and directed by Stephen Surgic. So it's not Denise Tate, so nobody dies. Mm-hmm. Well, or at least see. nobody that we like dies. And as Barb pointed out in our chat room earlier, she has written other episodes besides just the two where people have died in. So, oh, didn't, oh yeah, yeah, we probably should have been more clear about that, and a little more, you know, nice to her. <laughs> well, we we did uh, heap some accolades on her. I think That's this, true. this episode, rightfully so, she deserved it. And I would also mo- note that Fringe Peaks has said in the chat room that Open Apple Control Escape is the title for next week if you own a Mac. <laughs> Open Apple <laughs> Control Escape. All right. No, don't do that because I might lose you. No. Oh, okay. I'll do that later. <laughs> All right. Well, fun times. Can't wait for next week. Can't wait for next week's podcast. Hope that you'll join us. If you want to join us for the live show, we, we do broadcast these live, record them. We have the chat room we've been talking about uh, periodically through our podcast here. Come over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash live at 8 o'clock Eastern. That's 7 Central, 5 p.m. East, or Pacific rather, uh, on Thursday night. Next Thursday, we'll be here chatting. You can watch us and chat and have a good time, hopefully. We'd love for you to join us. All right. I think that's it, man. I love it. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of Person of Interest Podcast. I'm Daryl. Mildly witty sign-off, exhorting myself based on a moment from the episode. And I'm Doug saying that if your number comes up, we hope there's a man in a suit watching over you. Playfully witty sign-off with episode reference, followed by yelling off mic. <laughs>